0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, coming to you once again live from our studios right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone uh, here today with us uh, for another study in the Word of God. We are here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in the Word of God. If you've not joined us in the past, uh, this is Raven Ministries, uh, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International or our uh, Bible studies and our our classes that we offer here on the Internet, you can actually go to that website at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com and get information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. Uh, Raven is an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations. And so our goal as we meet here uh, Monday through Friday is to hopefully restore the vision of the Word of God into your life. As we study, and it's appropriate that we're studying this vision, this unveiling of Jesus Christ given to the uh, the Apostle John there on the Isle of Patmos. Because, listen, we are, we are the, the, the contemporary people that are going to see the, the, the unfolding of these events in the very near future. So this is very appropriate time and I, I pray that really God gives you that vision uh, to evangelize nations so you can uh, keep people from having to endure these things. Uh, through salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be our 54th class. If you have not uh, been with us in the past and you want the other classes, those are made available to you for free by going to our website, again, BigGrace.com, clicking on Raven Institute. And there's a neat little embedded player on there that you can download those onto your computer, uh, burn them onto a, a disc, MP3 player, iPod, whatever it may be. And those are available. I believe there's 43 classes on there right now, and the rest will be on there just very soon. And so those will be available to you for absolutely free of charge. Also, we're putting on the uh, classes on Romans that we did last year, 197 hours of teaching. There's probably 130 or so on there now that you can go on and download too I really encourage you that Romans is a foundation for, for really every book uh, if you get a foundational knowledge of Romans you'll understand everything really in the scripture much much more clearer because Paul the Apostle really left no stone unturned as he begins to outline the doctrines of the gospel in the book of Romans and so I encourage you to go grab that download that it's all available to you absolutely free of charge you guys that are with us live we will not be on live on Monday on Monday. We will not be here on Monday. We will be back on Tuesday, though. I have an appointment that I have to be at, so I can't be here simultaneously uh, on Monday, so we will not have a class on Monday, but we'll be back Tuesday for a class. Give me a little heads up. Also, we will be gone for two weeks, uh, out two weeks between the days of the 16th and uh, all that week and the next week. I'm not sure. I don't have a calendar in front of me. But we'll be uh, preparing and leaving and coming back from our uh, outreach in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Again, most of you guys have heard about that, but if you're listening to it later, we take a team every single year into the uh, streets of New Orleans during Mardi Gras. To, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ we spend all year preparing and, uh, uh, and and really restoring the vision then we get to go out there and actually apply it and if you want to join us we'd love to have you we probably have 200 people coming to be a part of our, our camp this year and there's there's room for you and uh, somebody's waiting on your testimony somebody's waiting on you to come out there and pray for them and share your faith with them something that you've learned somebody specifically god has made for you so if you want more information on that uh, go to our website, biggrace.com, or email me. I'm Pastor Troy, and email me at raven at biggrace.com, raven, R-A-V-E-N, at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com, raven at com, And we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, there's no cost, and so you'll have a place to stay. Three great meals a day from the 20th uh, to the 24th, and uh just a great opportunity to learn and experience. It's really a teaching environment too. So don't think that we're going to take you to New Orleans and dump you out. No, you'll be with our team. We work as a, as a team and as a unit there. So if whether you're, you're very experienced or whether you're uh just get your feet wet man we'd love to be a part of that process and help you to experience really what the gospel has called every one of us to do and that's to go into all the world and preach the gospel so good to, uh, good to have you today and hope you, you might uh, consider being a part of that also if you have prayer requests send your prayer request to pray at com. pray at com. we just want to believe God for your touch and for your miracle got a uh, prayer request right here Donna Miss Donna Meyer right there uh, from Pennsylvania sent some and we'll be praying over these today Donna thank you so much for sending those in and like I said, if you have prayer requests, send those. Or if you're live with us, you can put those on the screen as we're uh, opening the program. We'll, we'll pray about those specifically by name as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today and just ask for His, uh, his, his blessing, His direction, His power, and His anointing. That, uh, that the things that are spiritual, we would be able to spiritually discern those things because we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for the power of blood, Lord God. We thank you for the, the, the cross of Calvary. Father, we thank you that today we have access because of our relationship with Jesus. Lord God, we know that there's one mediator between uh, God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. That we can come to you, Lord God, Father, in faith, believing. Lord God, we can come to you if we're brokenhearted. We can come to you for downcast. We can come to you for concern, Lord God, and we can cast all of our cares upon you. So, Lord God, today as we come, we come and we cast our cares upon you, Lord Jesus. We don't want to bear these things any longer. We don't want to uh, to, to struggle any longer, Lord God. We don't want to be uh, uh, disconcerted, Lord God, any longer, but Lord God, we want to walk by faith because we know the just, Lord God, the justified are going to walk by faith, Lord God. So teach us today how to walk by faith because we have been justified by the blood of Jesus. We've been brought back, Lord God, into that that right relationship through our faith, Lord God, in the finished work of the cross. So, Lord God, today we come to you, uh, Lord God, as not as strangers, Lord God, but we come to you as children. Lord God, desire us, Lord God, to, to know you more, Lord God, and to, to see you operate and move into our lives. So, Fathers, we come. We ask in the name of Jesus for your power, Lord God, to unfold. And we just pray, Lord God, for these needs today. Uh, Lord God, even these, uh, as Donna's saying, pray, pray for marriages. Lord God, marriages are under attack so much. And just for restoration and healing, Lord God. Father, there's so many houses that are divided. And the Word tells us that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And unless the Lord build a house... They labor in vain that, that build it. So, Father, we pray, Lord God, that you just begin to to, to to bring and knit together the hearts, Lord God, of husbands and wives, Lord God, this day, in that, that marriage covenant, Lord God, that they would look to you, Father, as their source. And Father, even people that are uh, praying for healing from past and present hurts, Lord God, their hearts have been crushed, Lord God, that they everything that they see and do, they're always filtering through the past. And, Father, I declare today, Lord God, even as the prophet Isaiah declared in, in, in Isaiah chapter 43, to, for us not to remember the former things or consider the things of old. Behold, you will do a new thing. And, Lord God, let us not be bound, Lord God, by anything in our past except the cross of Calvary, Lord God. And, and allow us not to hold on to those things that no flesh would try to glory in your presence, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, Father, for that endurance for people that are going through hardships, that they would be able to endure, Lord God, and and be able to press through. They'd be not like someone beating their hands against the air, Lord God, but they would run the race with endurance in Jesus' name, Lord God. And so we just pray, Lord God, also for those that are battling addictions. Lord God, whatever that addiction may be, maybe it's a food addiction, maybe it's a drug addiction, maybe it's a a sex addiction, Lord God, maybe it's a, a cigarette or an alcohol addiction, whatever it may be, Lord God, we know that you are the one who sets free. And Father, none of those things are too large or too small or outside the scope of your ability, Lord God, to to deliver. And so, Father, we pray for deliverance, Lord God, for those that have been in captivity to addictions and bondages. And we ask in the name of Jesus that today, Lord God, as we pray for them, Lord God, that, uh, that as we've been praying for many, Lord God, that you would set them free, Lord God. Those that are bound, Lord God, whatever it is, any life-controlling uh, problem, uh, uh, pot smoking, Lord God, drugs, whatever it may be in the name of Jesus, bring deliverance, Lord God, and conviction of sin into their life, Lord God. And Father, we ask for healing, Lord God, for Brian, who's battling cancer, Lord God, and for gin, uh, intestinal bleeding, and, and, and sinuses. And, uh Father, just ask for healing also for Christy, Lord God, she's going to have surgery today. Father, just guide the hands of those surgeons, Lord God, and just begin to minister healing in life. Father, we thank you that the cross was enough. The cross, Lord God, enabled us, Lord God, to walk in health, Lord God, to walk in victory, Lord God, to walk in healing. And so, Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, to do this work. And, Father, we ask for your provision, uh, Lord God, even as we're preparing for, for uh, taking teams, Lord God, uh, hundreds of people, are God, into the streets. Father, we, we know that there's a tremendous need, Lord God, and we're believing in faith, Lord God, that you're going to meet that need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are that provider, Lord God. Father, uh, we, we just trust you, Lord God. Father, we, we don't know how, but we know who. And we're just asking you, Lord God, to be that provision, Lord God, for everything. You said. So pray for the laborers, Lord God. I believe that if we take care of your business, Lord God, that you'll take care of our business. Lord God, now, we ask that you would just bless this time of, of study in your word, Lord God. Come and fill this place up, Lord God, with wisdom and understanding. Give us that spirit of wisdom and understanding, Lord God. Let us just have a, a comprehension, Lord God, and a, and a retention, Lord God, of your word today. Father, I just confess, Lord God, that in and of myself I am unable. And But, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and it enables me, Lord God, to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask and or think, Lord God. So come and cleanse us, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, Lord God, that we might be, Lord God, vessels receptive of Your Word today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. amen, amen, and amen. Once again, good to have you for just slipping in with us. This is the Raven Institute. As I get a sip of my water of Ministry of Biblical Studies, and we are uh, going to be launching into this the. Uh, 16th chapter of the book of the revelation today and uh man i tell you what 14 and 15 are just so rich so good just so uh just so enlightening and uh they're really kind of like i said yesterday 15 of those uh, eight verses there were kind of the setup for chapter 16 which is still this 21 verses here is still rich and enlightening and revelatory uh but just in kind of a different uh, look at it but it's the balance you know uh uh uh, Fourteen was really kind of a, we, that last look at that, really the glory of the Lord and all those things we saw. Then 15 is kind of moving into this judgment portion. of it, But you see the balance, folks. Really, uh, it, when you reject the mercy of God, what you do is you set yourself up for the judgment of God. But we're going to talk about this thing. You know, yesterday I alluded to uh, uh, something we was talking about. And, you know, we're about to really kind of begin a portion of our study that reveals just what I was talking about, the consequence of rejecting the mercy of, and grace of God. And uh, instead of instead also just holding on to your uh, own beliefs and philosophies. Folks, listen. You know what? Uh, opinions are great, but really at the end of the day they don't mean anything. There's truth. You know, all Scripture is given. It's, it's uh, God-breathed. It's that theonoustos is given for, for instruction in righteousness. And it's given for, for doctrine. All these things for edification. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to have to stand and give an account for this word. And what's sad is you meet people so many times that have uh, adopted the, the the rudimentary teachings and the vain philosophies of men, and they're so uh, really encapsulated by their own thought life and by their own situations, by their own education, that they're almost oblivious to the mercy of God. And uh, uh, folks, the, the consequences of those folks like that are dire. It, re- it really is. You know, when grace is, is received into the repentant heart through faith, uh, really faith just really in one thing in the finished work of the cross, then something glorious occurs. You know, most of us here that have experienced that salvation experience of Christ Jesus, you know, we can remember that day. We can remember when grace found us that, that, that and it hit upon faith in our heart and, and there was a transformation. Some of us remember those times when God's grace and mercy came to us and we just continued to, to reject it and harden our hearts. We thought, God, why did I wait so long? We think this later. But when, when, when he comes upon us, something glorious happens. Folks, listen. If, if someone claims to know Jesus or someone claims to, to get saved or walks an aisle or repeats a prayer and, and, and something glorious doesn't happen, folks, that's not salvation it's It's really not. I'd like to say that it's as simple as just repeating a, a prayer, but there's a transformation that takes takes place in the heart of an individual that is complete, that is entire in all things. And so you know we hear people talk about, well, it's it's a process. well, the the process was done two thousand years ago up on the cross. It was called nails in his hands, nails in his feet, thorns upon his head, a spear in his side. It was called stripes upon his back. The, the process was the was the, the was the cross and the promise of salvation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And people say, well, you know, I've seen people that you know slogan Well, it's because not the cross is diminished, but because the message. Of the cross brought by the messengers has diminished. I believe if we preach a blood red gospel of of no compromise, of holiness and of righteousness, what we're going to see is we're not going to see somebody say a prayer and have to go through six weeks of rehab. What we're going to do is see somebody fall on their face before God and see a transformation come upon their life, and uh, see the new birth and see a transformation. And so the, the the power of the transformation comes from the power and the faith behind the message. And so that's why Paul the Apostle said, Listen, I, when I come to you, I don't come to you with excellency of speech. I don't come to you with all these philosophies and all these neat things to say. He said, Because if I do, then the cross of Christ is made ineffectual. And, you know, he said, I'm determined not to know anything in second Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2, 2 uh, except Christ and Him crucified. That's the power of God to all those who believe. But folks, when grace or that divine influence of God upon our heart and its reflection of life is rejected by stiff-necked and, and unrepentant hearts through rebellion, then something else happens as well. And uh, it's, a, it's an event that's not glorious. It's an event that's not uh, 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 powerful in the sense of a transformation to, to righteousness. But it's, it's uh, not glorious, but I guess you could say it's more tempestuous. It's something that is violent. It's something that is... That is a uh, that that is judgmental. It's something that is calamitous, and uh, the the events uh, or the effects of that event of rejecting the the grace of God, they're just as complete and they're just as transformational and just as eternal. But rather than being cleansed from the blood, one is judged by that same blood. You know, I was talking about yesterday and alluded to uh, Leviticus chapter sixteen. Where uh, uh Moses was given those ordinances associated with the day of atonement, and uh, you know wherein that was when the high priest he would take that that bowl of blood and he'd go into the holy places and uh, offer that sacrifice for the sins of the people and uh for that word atonement means to to be covered by, and so if it was the day to be covered by, and so just as there's a day of atonement coming to cover our sins. there's also also a day coming that's going to cover the world with judgment. And it's it's really, for me, it's heartbreaking as I just even say that because I know just, you know, the the, the people that are going to writhe because of the judgment of God, and they they will have had a tremendous opportunity to see Him and to know Him, but they harden their hearts against Him. Folks, let us not do the same thing. You know, we here that uh, adhere to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so many times we're, we're uncovered by that blood because of our, our, our own unforgiveness or our un, own unrepentance hearts or, or whatever it may be in our life. And so we, we find ourselves, and, and you may find yourself right now, covered by something that feels like the wrath and the judgment of God because what you've done is you've rejected the mercy of God through a repentant heart and said, God, you know what, I'm just going to have to trust you. When we don't trust him, we, we, we get uncovered by the mercy and we're covered by the judgment and the, the recourse of rejecting what God wants to bring in our life. Folks, let's not fall into that trap and that snare that the adversary would want to bring into our life, but let's, let's know what it is to stay covered by the blood of Jesus, to have that atoning element, crying not guilty, crying freedom, crying joy unspeakable and full of glory, uh, crying out a peace that passes all understanding, uh, crying out a hope that, that maketh not ashamed, uh, 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 crying out to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His grace and mercy. Because you know we talk about that, that that covering that blood of Leviticus chapter sixteen when that priest went in, you know the blood uh, that he brought in was that type of the blood of Jesus, and that its purpose was to cry out not guilty, and uh, uh, and that was not guilty in regards to all those sins that had been committed against God by the children of Israel for that, that year, uh, but not only uh, it, it was it allowed to be carried in only by the high priest who had been officially called and prepared for the assignment, anybody else attempting to enter any other way uh, would die or be killed. I want to read something to you. This is out of Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. It says, But Christ came, uh, being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not with this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood. He entered his in once unto the holy place, Having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of flesh, how much more, folks, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Folks, listen, when Jesus went into the heavenly tabernacle with the blood of mercy, you know, he, he cried out for us, he cried out for our redemption and you know and i think about just what that means to for him to have done that who he was you know he wasn't just a, a mere good man he was the son of the living god who came down and, and bore the, the the afflictions and infirmities of every single one of us and to reject the benefits of that blood folks it is it is cataclysmic i, I there's not a word that i can even think of that would describe Just the enormity of the effects of rejecting the ultimate gift of all times. But that's exactly what's going to happen. So he goes into that heavenly tabernacle with the blood of mercy. But now what we're about to see, folks, is uh, the seven angels take the blood of vengeance from the temple to be poured out upon a world that has rejected the sacrifice of 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 the Lamb of God. Now think about this just for a second, folks. This is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 39 through 45. Matthew 12, 39 through 45. Folks, you know, you think, well, man, this is sure an intro into chapter 16. Folks, listen, it's for me, it's almost, you know, I see this the judgments that's going to be poured out upon the world. And uh, I think to myself, God, you know, how can you withhold that? Because me, when I read this, it's almost as though those things are happening. I can see those things, even prophetically, that are coming to pass. And you think, God, just give me one more chance, one more opportunity to tell one more person. Because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, and you see the indifference of not the world, but you see the indifference of the church on the judgment of God. And unfortunately, the judgment is going to begin at the house of God. Because I believe that there's going to be a lot of people, quote unquote, filling the the, the church pews that, that aren't going to make it, that are going to be recipients of that wrath, because they they haven't been taught the word of God, they haven't been instructed in the ways of righteousness, they've been taught this. You know we're all this old oh, poor sinner saved by grace uh, uh, mantra that has led people into a wide gate presentation of the gospel that's going to lead to destruction. But Matthew chapter twelve, the Gospel of Matthew chapter twelve verses thirty nine through forty five says this. It says, "He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. <clears throat> Excuse me, but there will be no sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah." For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It says, The men of Nineveh shall arise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented uh, repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah has come. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through the dry places seeking rest, and he will not find any. Then he says, I will return to my house from whence I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes and he takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there in the last state of the man. Listen to that. The last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be upon this wicked generation. Folks, listen. When Jesus came and His mercy came upon the world. What it was, He came to drive away that which was unclean. You look at when He came into the temple and He drove the people out of the temple. That was just a type of driving out that which is unclean. And uh, But for those folks who reject all of that deliverance, who reject His mercy, there is a, a sevenfold, there's complete and uh, an entire judgment that's going to be poured out upon those who, who will not fall upon the mercy of God. The, the judgment of God is going to fall upon them. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Listen, this ought ought to be a wake-up call for us. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, that great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, we need to be looking for that hope. We need to be not only looking for it, but we need to be proclaiming that hope, taking that hope to a lost and dying world. You know, why do I go to a place like New Orleans? Because it's a place of darkness. It's a place that judgment will one day fall. It's a place not unlike Nineveh, not unlike a place uh, that the Queen of the South came from. It's a place that is desperate. And, you know, I'm not okay with, with, with setting somewhere. I'm not I'm okay. It's, it's, it's fine to sit here Monday through Friday and teach the Word. But this isn't the end-all, there-all. This is the preparation to go out and do the work of the ministry. You know, God just didn't sit on the throne of glory and give instructions down to us. What did he, he came down and He said, Come and follow Me. Come and imitate Me and I'll make you fishers of men. Folks, listen, we've got to get this urgency for this hour because right now we're studying it prophetically, but one day all these things are going to uh, break loose upon a world. And those that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, have not repented from their sins and received Him, these things that we're going to be talking about today are going to befall them. And there will be no escape then. We have got the way of escape in Christ Jesus now to share with them. And the question is, are we going to go and present it to a lost and dying world? So what we're about to do, folks, is we're about to examine these final seven judgments of this tribulation hour. And I want to read verse 1 to you today. And it said, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Folks, here we have the voice of God. You know, I think about, it again, when I read this, I'm, just, I'm torn and I'm, there's such a, 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 a contrast. I think about when Jesus began to speak and they, they, they listened to his words and they said, never a man spoke like that man. His words are the words of life. And those words that were the words of the life to, to repent are going to be the words of destruction to, to a world that has hardened itself against God. And so when when the voice of God came it, it began to fill that, that smoke filled temple. And again there's that there's that, that, that contrast. I think about uh we talked about that cloud in, in the in the in the fifteenth uh, chapter and uh excuse me, the fourteenth chapter and, and just the, the, the clouds that are being poured out, I think he says and just how it represented the glory and the Shekinah glory of God and the presence of God and the direction of God. Now we hear that voice that's coming out of that same cloud. That, that, that cloud is not coming for direction. That, that cloud is not coming for covering. That cloud is not coming for, for revelation. That cloud is coming for one purpose. That cloud is coming for judgment. And the mercy seat has been covered up. There's no access to it. And so what we're going to see is the wrath of God being poured out. And so this voice is coming out in verse 1. And what it's doing, it's, 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 it's directing the angels to carry out their duties. And folks, remember, it's God that's sending out these judgments. It, it's not the devil. It's not people saying, well, look what the devil's doing. No, absolutely not. Judgment is just as much a part of righteousness as mercy is a part of righteousness. And so what happens is, what we see here is the holiness of God has been offended. The holiness of God has been transgressed, and what man has done—that he's he's worshipped man, he's worshipped the antichrist, he's worshipped this 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 uh, this this incarnation of evil, and he's began to bow his life to that image. And we, we talked about that abomination of desolation, which is seen in, in Matthew twenty-four fifteen. And so what what man has done, he he's bowed to a, a system that's not heavenly in origin, but it's 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 earthly in origin. And so what he's done, he's he, he's he's made the, this idolatry folks listen it's not just going to happen with the twenty four fifteen manifestation of Matthew 24-15 manifestation of the abomination of desolation folks it happens now and so when we you know you think to yourself well I would never bow to to, to man I would never bow to that image well think about it now what are you, what are you bowing to when you bow to offenses you're bowing to that image because where, is, where does an offense uh, uh, come from? It comes from the heart of a man. When you when you bow to unforgiveness, what are you doing? You're bowing to that image. When you bow to anger, where are you uh, bowing to? When you bow to compromise, what are you bowing to? When you when you bow to fear, what are you bowing to? You're bowing for something that is not derived from heaven. Why? Because he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And so when I deviate from the truth, what am I doing? I'm, I'm venturing off into a place of idolatry. I'm, I'm, Venturing off, and I'm saying, listen, I, I've, I've got more. I want to put more stock in, in worshiping man, my own desires, my own heart, rather than getting the vision that's going to give me that that strategic glimpse into the mind of God that I can know Him, that I can worship Him, that I can exalt Him, that I might be with Him for eternity. Now, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says this. It says, "I am the Lord; that that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another." Neither my praise to graven images. Now, Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. It says, You will not make unto me any graven image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or that's in the earth beneath, or that's in the water underneath the earth. You will not bow down yourself to them or serve them, for I am the Lord, and I am a jealous God. And I will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and do what? And keep my commands. First John tells us folks, it says, How can we say that we love him and we can't even keep his commands? It says if we say that we do, we're, we're a liar and we know not the truth. First John 1 6, how many times have we quoted this here? That if I if I say I have fellowship with him, that koinonia, that that sweet fellowship with Jesus, but I continue to walk in darkness that I lie and do not the truth. And folks for those that are liars, Revelation 21, 8, we know that there's going to be a judgment. They will not inherit the kingdom of God, but there's a place for them in the lake of the fire with the, with the antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, and all those that would follow him and, and, and bear the, the number of his name. Folks, listen, what we're seeing here in this first judgment of chapter 16, uh, is really mankind has, has bowed. They bowed their system. They bowed their governments. They 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 look for the the, the the government to bail them out. They look for the government to stimulate them. They've looked for the government to do all these things to give them breaks. All these things, rather than falling upon the the the, the horns of the altar and crying out to God and saying, "God, you've got to do." Something. If 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 as many people that would uh, rush to the the ballot box or rush to the inauguration would would rush into the presence of God and begin to cry out to God, I tell you what, things would begin to happen upon this world. And so, the the first bold judgment we're going to see, and it's right here in verse uh, verse uh, chapter two. And this is the first bold judgment, uh, verse two. Here's what it says: It says, "And the first went out. That first angel went out. Is what that's talking about. And it says he poured out his vial upon the earth." And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had received the mark of the beast, upon them which worshipped his image. Folks, think about this. This first uh, angel is going to come out. It's going to come out from that same place that used to cry out mercy. Now it's going to cry out vengeance upon those that have rejected that mercy. And instead of that blood, think about this, folks. And you're going to see how this unfolds just in a second. Is you see that, that, that it's going to be grievous. It's going to be sores upon them. These, these, these like boil type things. You, you think the blood to begin with was the blood of healing. That Jesus was our healer. And if you reject that blood of healing what that, that same blood is going to come out and it's going to it's going to reverse that upon you. It's going to bring destruction. And so that first vial is, is, is poured out and rather than by stripes we're healed, now it's going to be by those same stripes rejected, there's going to be a judgment. And so all these people that receive that mark, whether that mark is a, is a physical uh, thing that you can see, whether it's a computer chip, you know, I don't know. And it really, it, it, at that point, it, it's really, that's not even the concern. You know, people spend so much time thinking about, uh, you know, this great computer that's already been built. Folks, listen, at the end of the day, uh go ahead and speculate because it 's not really going to matter it 's going to be the mark of man, and that that mark is not just going to be it may be reflective in the natural but it 's going to be uh, really known in the spiritual realm of an individual and so what 's going to happen is these these ulcerated sores are going to come upon people with this uh this this first judgment and you think to yourself is that going to be something that 's literally happening well let 's look at exodus chapter nine verses eight through eleven uh Exodus chapter nine verses eight through eleven. I read you something, and you, you tell me what you think. And it says, "The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, Take you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it towards heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth in blains which are ulcerated sores upon man and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt." And it says, and they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses, sprinkled it up towards heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with with blains upon man and upon beast, and all the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil that was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. Folks, listen, we're talking about these these judgments that that happened in uh, in uh, in Egypt are repeated for those are repeated right here specifically in the book of the Revelation on these judgments, and so just as it happened then. Upon the, the the unrepentant, and look who it pointed out—the magicians. You know, there's what we talked about. This can be a time of signs and lying wonders. All those that are doing these things under the power of the Antichrist, the power of the the false prophet, they're going to be affected as well. They're not going to be able to escape this. They're they're not going to be able to to do anything and stand in the presence of the wrath of God. Why? Because of just the the calamity that's happening in that first bowl judgment. Then Let's go to verse 3. Here's the second bowl judgment that's going to happen. And it says, "...the second angel poured out his vial, his bowl, upon the sea, and it became his blood of dead men. And every living soul died in the sea." Now listen here's let me give you that example here's Exodus chapter 7 17 through 21 Exodus chapter 7 17 through 21 it says thus saith the lord In this you will know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in my hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they will be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall drink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink the water of the river. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Say to uh, to Aaron, Take your rod, and stretch your your hand out over the waters of Egypt, upon the streams, upon the rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of blood, in wood, in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod, and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood, and the fish that were in the rivers, they died. And the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Folks, listen. I, you know, we talk about kind of these types that are happening. Uh, you know, I, I look at that that first bowl judgment with these sores, and it really shows that the blood of Jesus came to to heal. But if you reject the healer, all you're going to find is the consequences. Look at look at this. I, I think about the second bowl judgment that's going to uh, uh, turn the uh, the fresh water into blood. Think about the woman that was at the the well when Jesus went to her. And he told her to, to draw water. And she said, she said, are you here to draw water? Do you have anything to draw? And he, he told her, he said, listen, if you drink of me, he said, you'll never thirst again. And he, and he told her that that was the water that, 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 would, uh, that would come into you. And we know through the Scripture that tells us if we, we drink of that living water, that we'll have life and life more eternally. And you think about when people have rejected the Word. They rejected the living water of God. What that water is going to come back is going to come back in judgment. If I reject that regeneration, if I reject that, that cleansing, if I reject the, the power of the, the word of God, what that word of God is going to come back and smite me. You know, fortunately, the woman at the well she didn't harden her heart. She received forgiveness. She was obviously an adulteress, but you see the power of God and the mercy of God through quote unquote the utilization of that term water doing it. And folks, you know, at this time and you know He does cause it to rain water upon the righteous as well as the unrighteous. But one day that water is going to be rained out in blood and in judgment upon the unrighteous, and they will not escape the wrath of God. Now now remember this, folks. In uh, the second seal that we talked about in in chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, that what it did, remember it brought a great bloodshed upon the earth? And then the second trumpet blast, which was uh, chapter 8, verse 8, it caused the third part of the sea to become blood. And so you see that, that how these things happen. And so what we're looking at right now is every sea creature perishes when the water is turned into blood. Now think about that just for a second. You, you saw what happened in 6, 3, and 4, and 8, 8. But look what happens here. Every sea creature is going to die as a result of that. And so can you imagine this this, this stain? Can you imagine just the, the rotting... Uh, uh, fish and corpses that are that are there. You know, the other day we had uh, last week we had some fish tacos that I made, and uh, everybody was saying yum yum. But uh, I I went and bought some fresh fish at a local fish market here. You know, obviously we're right on the ocean, and so I wrapped it up and I, I trimmed off just some of the the, the parts of the fish and uh, some of the, the the juice from the fish was in the the paper from the uh, the market, and so I took it and I took it outside to our trash can that we carry out, and. Uh, this past Tuesday, when I uh, went to take it out, I was going to throw something in, and I lifted the the lid, and there was a just a a, a stomach-turning stench that come out of that can, and I said, "Man, what is that?" That I got to thinking, you know what? It was just the blood of that one fish that was that was rotting inside of that can, and I was like, "Man, I hope they heard and get this carried off because this is repulsive." Folks, that was just the blood of one fish. That wasn't even a total fish. Can you imagine just the rancid nature of just the? You'd probably be gasping for breath because all the sea life is going to die when that judgment comes upon the earth. When that's that that's turned into blood, and so it's it's going to be this 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 decay. It's going to be uh, sickness. It's going to be disease. It's going to be putridness that happens and you know you you think about that the water always has represented life in the scripture you know that washing of the word and now that same water that represented life to the repentant is going to now represent judgment to the same ones and so you see that, uh, that the blood of Jesus, Revela- excuse me, Leviticus 17.11, symbolized that which brought salvation, cleansing. Now that blood of Jesus is going to be that which brings forth the wrath of God. It's that symbol of that judgment of God that comes upon it. Now look at this third, uh, third bold judgment. And it says, "...and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O God." Which which are and was and shall be, because you have judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you has given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the authors say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Folks, listen. By this time, you know you may think to yourself, man, look at how hard that God is. Look at how difficult. Folks, listen. I think about what the angel says in verse five. You are just you have have judged justly, you are righteous in your judgment, you are worthy, they are drinking of this because of the consequences of their rejection of you and what they've done you know Genesis chapter eighteen verse twenty five uh, says this it says, shall not the judge of all the earth do what's right absolutely that's genesis eighteen twenty five he's going to do exactly what is right and what is righteous folks you know. People can can look at the, the wrath of God being poured out, and they can say to themselves, "Well, that's just too much." Folks, I'm, I'm sure that they didn't look at Jesus was on the cross and the redemption for our sins, and say that was too much. And so it's going to be equated right back to the unrepentant heart. The same vengeance that was poured upon Jesus upon His body upon the cross is going to be equated right back to a, a world that has rejected the benefits of that. And I want you I want you to look at a couple of things in these these four verses right here in the third bowl of judgment. You know. Um, that listen look at these angels that they have some different responsibilities that they have and so we have a this angel right here that's over the waters and it's justifying God's uh, actions and and it begins to basically say listen you've you've worshiped the beast you've worshiped self you've done these things now what we're going to do is we're going to satisfy your longing for blood folks do you think that the blood of you know, I think about what the, what the Word of God says that the, the that when Cain killed Abel, it says the blood of your brother cries out from the ground. Now think about the blood of the millions of children that are aborted every single year since Roe v. Wade that are going to cry out in vengeance. And so that blood that they're shedding, you know, there's a the lawsuit happening right here in Florida right now that there was a child that was born through a partial birth abortion, was born alive. And they just went ahead and killed the baby after it was born alive. There's a lawsuit going on right now. Folks, that ain't a civil issue. That's a, that's, a, that's a criminal offense about killing. But you see just how heinous things are getting. So if we look at this and we see not only the, the fresh water, the standing water, but the rivers, the moving water that's flowing into those places and the fountains of water, the, the oceans also are going to be turned into blood. And, and that's, that, that's not too much. Folks, that's the consequence of sin and unrighteous so, so we see this message really it's it, it becomes a vindication for those that have walked worthy and walked righteous Lord God even so Lord God Almighty true and just, just and righteous are your judgments and it says I heard uh, another say on the altar and, and folks you know Regardless of what we see, regardless on that day when people are going to be cast into the lake of fire, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, True and righteous are your judgments. Men have been given so many tremendous opportunities to be set free, to choose you, but they have rejected the mercy of God time and time again. And so judgment is going to befall this world like never before. Now, look at this, folks. This is the fourth bowl judgment. It's Revelation sixteen eight through 9 and it says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial or bowl upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they did not repent to give him glory. Now, folks, look at that. It says that that angel is going to pour out his vial upon the, the sun. People are talking about global warming now. Folks, this ain't global warming. This is just, this is just life. But what's going to happen when this angel comes and that all of a sudden that there's gonna be this unrestrained heat that's upon the earth and it says it's gonna scorch man, it's gonna literally you're gonna walk outside and your skin is gonna burn. Such a degree that that men are going to curse God because of this, but they're not going to repent. How about you? How about you when 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 the heat is turned up in your life? Do you repent or do you curse God? When when you go through the fiery trial, do you repent or do you curse God? When you have to go through trials and tribulations, do you repent or do you trust God? When things don't go your way, do you repent or do you trust God? Folks, listen. The, 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 the Son is walking in His power right now. And if we'll just call upon Him in mercy, we won't have to experience the, the fourth bold judgment of Revelation 16, 8 and 9. And, but what we're seeing, what we're going to see right there is really the inhabitants of the earth are going to experience the, the ultimate heat wave. They're going to see the greatest type of scorching effect of, of the sun that they've never seen before but you know think about what it says in, in Isaiah chapter 24 verses 4 through 6 look at this Isaiah 24 4 through 6 it says the earth mourns and fades away the world languishes and fades away and the haughty people of the earth do languish the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, they've changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate, therefore the inhabitants of earth are burned, and few men are left. That that word, that's just a prophetic word from Isaiah 24, verses 4 through 6, exactly what's going to happen right here in Revelation chapter uh, 16, verses 8 and 9. And so it becomes literally so hot during that time that really what God has to do is he's, He has to shorten the day. That's what's going to happen. In order for there to be any survivors, He's going to have to shorten the day. Look at what He said in Matthew twenty four twenty two. Check this out. You know, now you'll know exactly what it's talking about. And He said, Except those days be shortened. Talking about Jacob's trouble, the, 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 the tribulation period. He said, Except those days be shortened, there should be no flesh. Saved, But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And so, what does he mean those days should be shortened? Does it mean that, that he's going to say, well, I know I, I said it's going to be seven years but it's not going to be... No, once he says it's going to be seven years, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be seven years. If he said it's going to be 1,260 days, it's going to be 1,260 days that last three and a half years. If he said it's going to be times, times, and half times, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be times, times, and half times. And so what he's saying is that, listen, I'm going to cut forth the days. And so you're not going to be able to cut a day off in regards to time frame, but what he's going to do, he's going to shorten the daylight hours and it's going to be the the nights are going to be longer. There's going to be dark, and the only reason he's going to do that is to show mercy upon those that are coming to Christ during that tribulation. The tribulation saints that are still alive in that time period. And you once again Matthew 24:29, and it, it really kind of harmonizes too with what we saw in, in Revelation 6:12, and it says, "Behold, I held beheld him when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth." and so what's going to happen is this this method of uh, of shortening the days and, and causing there to be darkness most of the time that way the sun's rays are not blaring down and even destroying and burning up the, the elect That what it's going to do though it's going to really purge the earth's inhabitants and so you're going to have many people die uh, there's going to be this, the earth bombarded by ultraviolet rays and, and I'm sure that those can you imagine now with the festering boils now the heat's coming down like that can you imagine with the waters already being turned like blood and the rancidness and the heat pouring out but Matthew twenty four twenty two, but for the lake's, lake's sake, those days will be shortened. And folks, what we need to remember again, though, is remember this: this isn't the church is not going to be a part of this. You know, we've already uh, uh, been raptured out as a result of faith in the blood of Jesus and walking in righteousness. In, in uh, Revelation chapter four verse one, uh, we're going to be we're going to be part of that 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 the, the, the four and twenty elders that are around his throne, rejoicing in the presence of God. Uh, what this is is once again, this is the tribulation saints that are going to be. Uh, uh, right there in uh, uh, during the tribulation period that, that came to Christ through faith from the preaching of the 144,000 and the two witnesses. And so this, this group uh, that's on earth right now, these tribulation saints, uh, what they do is they, they constitute what's talking about the election in Romans 11.28. And they are referred to as Jacobites or Israelites. And in Romans 11.26, uh, they're, they're the Jews, they're the members of of, of uh, of those uh, they're not the members of the bride of Christ but they're basically the members of the wife of Jehovah God they're the chosen people of God and so this is the elect sake that he's talking about in Matthew 22 and in Romans eleven twenty-six and in Romans eleven twenty-eight. these are the ones that God has chosen for himself that, that remnant people that group of folks that are part of the Jews and so what's going to happen though is when mankind rejects this, this scorching with this fire it's going to bring about even more rebellion can you imagine that? even more rebellion rather than crying out to God for mercy instead of of, of repenting instead of saying God you've got to do something please stop this plague please stop the the effects of this Uh, basically what they're going to do is they're just going to continue to to shout blasphemies unto him and rather than than seeing the the mercy of of, of reprieve they're going to see that judgment of uh, the lack of repentance and they're going to continue to be hardened more and more and more and so the fifth bold judgment that we're coming to now is Revelation chapter 16 verses 10 and 11 16, 10, and 11, and it says, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Folks, you saw where the uh, basically the fourth judgment produced this unusual brightness. The the the, the 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 sun was scorching. Now the fifth bowl is going to do just the exact opposite. What it's going to do is going to bring darkness upon the, even the very throne of the Antichrist over his full empire. And so this one that thought he was going to be the most high, this one that at one time had become called the, the sun or the star of the morning, Listen, now he's going to be enveloped in darkness, which he is. There's not going to be any light. There's not going to be any luminaries. There's not going to be anything. This one that's cast down and all the effects of his kingdom are going to be totally bound by darkness. And so what we're going to see is just the consequences of what is happening. Look, uh, Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 23. Exodus 10, 21 through 23. And it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now think about that just for a second. A darkness that can be felt. And Moses stretched his hand out towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They saw not one another, neither, neither did they rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now think about that just for a second. It's a darkness that is so dark it can be felt. Folks, What's going to happen there is there's going to be so much darkness, there's going to be so much calamity that, that people aren't going to have the you know generators and power because there's the consequences of what's happening in judgment is going to eliminate the availability of those things, and so what we do is we get so uh, so accustomed to being able to turn on the light, but once again, folks, how many times do I need to quote this? First John one six: If we say we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So what's going to happen is if we lie and do not the truth, that darkness is going to be enveloped. And so without any type of light, you know, your, your, your eyes... Are, are, are receptors of light. The only reason that you can see me through this live broadcast today is because of the presence of light. These are beams of light, these things of light reflecting on things. Now, remove all of those things and what happens? Basically, our, our pupils just become dilated for no reason because there's nothing that can happen. So, it says that men are going to gnaw them tongues. There's going to be such agony, such grief, such... Horror, and, and you think about just that, just that horrific feel of darkness and despair that's going to come upon the earth. And so, but look what it's—you you think about for the, the, the children of Israel there that they had light in their dwellings. And the same thing, you know, I believe is going to happen with the saints are still on earth. There's going to be something supernaturally that's going to happen for them. And so this, this leader that has uh, been raised up, this Antichrist, this false prophet who claimed all this power, uh, basically uh, the rug is going to be pulled, pulled out from under them. They're going to be out of control. They're not going to be able to do anything, say anything, or, uh, or be able to uh, exhibit any type of authority. Uh, Amos chapter 5.18. It says, "The day of the Lord is darkness and not light." Amos five eighteen. The day of the Lord is darkness, and not light. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is night at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, uh, and strong. There has not been any light them, neither shall there be any more even unto the years of many generations. That's Joel 2 1 and 2. And so the day of the Lord is like darkness And Joel 2, 1 and 2 basically prophesies the exact same thing it says that there's going to be this morning's going to spread upon the mountains, It's going to be a thick darkness that can even be felt and so you, you see that, that power the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sea of the beast his kingdom was full of darkness, they gnawed their tongues and blasphemed God to heaven because of their pains the swords and they did not repent of their deed. And so the sixth bold judgment here It's Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. 12 through 16. And it says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw uh, three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet." And I'm going to go ahead and keep reading. And it says, For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and all the whole world, to gather them to the battle of the great and mighty day of the Lord God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed he that watches and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place that's called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Folks, what we see here in the sixth trumpet judgment uh, really should be really looked at uh, in regards to the light of this, uh, this sixth bowl. Because chapter 9 verses 13 through 18 basically depicts the sixth angel voice in his commands. And as he does it, uh, it says four angels are loosed over the great river Euphrates, which is the present day uh, area of Iran, Iraq, and Syria. Now think about that just for a second with what's happening in t- contemporary times. This area that they're talking about in Armageddon that we saw talked about in, in chapter 9 verses 13 through 18 is this area, Iran, Syria, and Iraq. Think about what's happening right now. Think about the threat that Iran is doing in regards to uh, nuclear uh, power and their threats against the, the nation of Israel. This battle that's going to happen is going to happen there. And we talked about before in 9:16 that this 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 army, 200 million troops that are going to be there, uh, that are going to be in the Middle East, that have come from the east or the the, the Orient, and uh, this incredible military uh, presence. We talked about the uh, there in, in uh, chapter 14, verse 29 about this. Uh, the, the wine press was trodden in the city, and the blood came out of the wine press, even to the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six furlongs. So the blood is going to be stacked up uh, as a result of this, so over two hundred miles of ground is going to be covered with with blood. And so you see this 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 uh, this unfolding, and they're brought together to this place, and these these unclean spirits are, are 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 speaking. These unclean spirits are doing miracles, bringing these people together in the midst of this. And so in the text that we're looking at right here, in verse twelve, what we're doing is we see a couple things. Number one, we see that drying up of the river Euphrates so that they can cross over. You know, what's interesting to me is with the, with the Red Sea, the, the children of Israel crossed over into righteousness. They crossed over into deliverance. Here, it's going to dry up, and they're going to cross over into judgment. Look at that once again. We saw in, even with the, the, the Egyptians, they crossed the Red Sea and it came upon them. But they're going to cross over and they're going to enter in, not to a promised land, but they're going to enter, enter into a place of judgment. And so they're going to cross over the Euphrates in order to participate in this uh, this, this battle of Armageddon. And, and really, folks, what it is, it's a conflict. It, it's a fight against the, the, the Lord God of hosts uh, and, it's a, and the world. And we're going to look at that a little bit when we get to chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. But what's going to happen is when they get there, these this into the the, the Holy Land, as they get there into this place where this battle is going to take place, uh, and as was predicted once again, he put you can look up Psalms chapter two, verse two through four, uh, that the kings of the earth they they set themselves and the rulers take counsel together and against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us." He that sits in the heavens shall laugh; the Lord shall make them, uh, shall have them in derision. And folks, you gotta ask yourself, how close is all this? Folks, it's 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 right on. We're standing at the threshold of what these things are gonna have to do. You know, you gotta keep in mind something about chapters nine and sixteen. You know, they mentioned that your Euphrates River as a focal point of all this happening. And think about the things that are happening: Iraq, Iraq Iran, Syria, all these places. A lot of the the, the people, the, the the terrorists, a lot of the, the the terror groups that are coming against that are feeding the the the, the military power and, and munitions into uh, The the Palestinians come out of Syria. A lot of that munitions and things happening. Syria is kind of a melting pot of all these places. So keep in mind that all those things that that are happening. And so the Euphrates uh, was jointly theirs, all these three nations. Uh, It was theirs when they were called Persia uh, before. And so thus Iran, Iraq, and Syria are, are prominent, basically identified in this end times war. And so a lot of these things are happening. And I think about right now, and you look at it in kind of contemporary times, You know they're they're talking about in 15 months pulling our troops out of Iraq. And so I can look at it one or two things. I can say, listen, is this battle going to take place before that 15 months because these troops are going to have to be there because it creates this military type of might there? Or once our troops come out in 15 months, is it going to open the door for this type of invasion? So folks, regardless of how you want to look at it, and what you want to see in this way this prophecy is being unfolded, it's it's right here. It is about to happen. Verse thirteen, it reveals three unclean spirits. It says they're like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And so that that, 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 that whole thing, Satan, the dragon, the beast the false prophet. It's this this total, ungodly, unholy trinity that's going to be the one, these controlling spirits that are speaking into these armies that are going to be made, manifest in this time. And so the symbolism, we see, frogs are always speaking of that which is unclean. Look at the plague upon Egypt. What do you see? He sent a plague of Frogs upon Egypt. You'll find that in in Exodus chapter 8, 14. So the picture is clear. You're going to see just this power being unfurled upon them, and this army is going to be assembled uh, together at this place uh, called Armageddon, or the Mount of Megiddo is another word for that. Then we look at the seventh bold judgment, which verse 17 through 21. 17 through 21. And it says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven saying, From the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as none since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided in three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And they fell upon men a great hell out of heaven, and every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the talent because of the plague of hell for the plague therein was exceedingly great Folks, listen what what 's happening here is Satan, who was the prince and the power of the air. you see that in Ephesians chapter two verse two. Yeah, and so we, we wrestle now, not against what? Flesh and blood, powers and principalities, the rulers of the darkness of the day, spiritual wickedness in high places. We see that. And so what this seventh angel is doing, he's basically pouring out his bowl into the air. And what that does is that's just going to uh, destroy the last vestiges of anything that the Satan thought he had in abiding in that place. And so Armageddon, like we talked about, is going to be talked about a little bit more in chapter nineteen. It also destroys every place that the enemy would try to hide, any resting place is basically what's going to say, the island's going to flee away, the mountains are not going to be found. And he's going to say it's done. In other words, the twenty one judgments that, that were prophesied are going to be complete. You know, folks, think about this just for a second. You know, when when Christ bore the judgment of our sin, what did he cry out? It's finished. What's what's going to be said here as well? It's, it's done. It's, it's finished. And so you see the exact same thing. Because men did not want to take upon the it is finished of the cross, they're going to take the it is finished of this judgment. See, Can't you see how that works together? Judgment came upon Christ. He bore the iniquities of us all. It's finished. And if we allow that to be finished, we don't have to be finished in this place. But the world that has rejected Him... What's going to happen? These 21 judgments are going to come upon them. Boom, they're going to suffer as a result of that. And it says that the bowl produced thunders, lightnings, and the most devastating, basically, earthquake that's ever occurred upon the earth. Uh, the prophet Haggai, uh, basically, he predicted this. And here's what he said. He said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. He said, I'll shake all nations, and the desire of all nations, which is Christ, will come. That's Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And so you know you got to look at this uh that this uh this final uh, bold judgment basically it's going to uh, fulfill those 21 judgments but what's going to happen is the Lord Jesus is then going to return and he's going to set up his kingdom. Folks, we're totally out of time today. And I'm going to touch, finish up just a little bit of that, closing out that chapter 16 as we're going to get into chapter 17 tomorrow. But folks, listen, what I hope and what I pray is that something stirred up inside of you that says, listen, now is the accepted time today for my day of salvation. Go tell someone about it. We're out of time today, but I've got some advice for you today. If you we'll get into God's Word, God's Word will get into you.